The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, you know, it's the balance of something that's a very difficult choice. Like how many deaths and how much suffering are you willing to accept to get back to what you want to be some form of normality sooner rather than later? You know, it's something that people feel very differently about it. You know, myself coming from the vantage point that I come and seeing the danger in it, I have to. I feel I have a moral obligation to give the kind of information that I'm giving. People are going to make their own choices. I cannot, nor anybody, force people under every circumstance to do what you think is. Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Tuesday, May the 5th, 2020. And here we are, another day. I hope you are well and doing the best you can under these adverse circumstances. I really struggle with this because it's very clear to me what's going on in this country and it's it's crazy. What is going on? That's what's clear. It's, it's not really a struggle. It's, it's put right in front of you here where we have gone in this country. And yesterday in particular in the news was a particularly schizophrenic day. The news media, corporate news media in particular, was throwing out so many mixed messages, or at least they were reporting on them. And it was quite incredible. Again, an argument for not wanting to or not watching the corporate news media because you got very little information and you got a lot of confusion and fear, quite frankly. There was some information. I mean, not saying that there was none. But you didn't get the information I think you should have received. And I'm going to fill in some of those gaps on this episode. That's the purpose of today's episode. One thing I want to start off with is that since it is May 5th, for those of you who are Social Security income recipients or recipients of VA benefits and you have children under the age of 17 in your household. Remember, as a reminder, today, May 5th, is the last day to apply for a coronavirus stimulus check at irs.gov. Very important. I did a show episode on this on Sunday, and I walked people through how to apply. Those of you on SSI and VA benefits or VA benefits who also have a under 17 year old in your household living with you, 
you will definitely want to go to irs.gov. If you have a website, rather access to the web, access to online, access to internet, you will want to do that no later than today. And if someone listening to this on May 5th, 2020 knows of somebody who this applies to, who has SSI or VA benefits and has a under 17 year old in their home, you will want to communicate with that person today, May 5th, 2020, and let them know that they must get online to irs.gov to apply for the stimulus check. Because if they don't do that on May 5th, 2020, after that, they will not be able to, and therefore they will not get a coronavirus stimulus check. That only applies to people who have SSI benefits or VA benefits and a 16-year-old or younger in their home. Very, very important that that information gets passed around. As I said, I did an episode on that on Sunday. And in that episode, which you can find at The Politocrat on wherever you get your podcasts, I laid out clearly in a load of steps that I went through how to apply. So this is the last day to do that. If you're listening to this after May the 5th, 2020, then unfortunately, um, you will not be able to get a check if you satisfy the criteria of being an SSI beneficiary or VA benefits person and have a 16-year-old or younger in your home. Just to let you know that. So that's one piece of information. A couple of other pieces of information. Yesterday, the U.S. Supreme Court held their first ever live oral argument, streamed it on the web, I believe they did, and they certainly streamed it or had it on C-SPAN television. Oral arguments for the first time ever being heard via telephone live as well, because, of course, with this pandemic and the physical distancing, every chief... Every justice on the Supreme Court was in a separate location by via teleconference, by phone. And you had the uh, parties making their arguments via telephone to the U.S. Supreme Court, something that we've never, ever seen before in the history of the United States. Another piece of information, John Ratcliffe, who is a wackadoodle Republican congressperson, is being tapped to head the National Intelligence Bureau. He is going to be most likely the director of national intelligence. A confirmation hearing has been going on today in the Senate with the physical distancing measures. Senators are wearing masks, which is good to see. And John Ratcliffe is all kinds of crazy. Just like this country is all kinds of crazy. Ratcliffe is one of these people who is down with the QAnon sect, this crazy, radical fringe group that believes the earth is flat and says that Trump is a victim of the deep state and all these wild, wild lies and unfounded conspiracies, conspiracy theories. This is one of the groups responsible for this whole Pizzagate situation where some armed crazy, some armed white guy went to some pizza parlor 
where these groups of people at QAnon and elsewhere were saying, oh, well, Hillary Clinton runs a pedophile ring in this pizzeria. So you had this guy who was armed, actually believing all this crap, actually went to the pizzeria armed. And thankfully, he was stopped and arrested. It's just ridiculous. America is a crazy ass place. American exceptionalism is dead. Unless, in your view, American exceptionalism means 70,000 people dead. people to explore America. A lot of people haven't seen yeah. many parts of America. I, I wish I could get back on the road soon. As we open up, as we continue to have hotspots in meat packing plants in places like Kansas, in nursing homes, in prisons, uh, all over this country, we are going to see uh, outbreaks continue to occur. And I don't know any state, as a former governor, any state who has actually met the guidelines that the CDC put out of 14 days of decline in disease or is ready for the kind of massive contact tracing that we need to be able to do with testing to isolate cases as they begin to reoccur. And that is exactly the issue that we have in this country, this schizophrenia that we have in America. That first clip you heard was the Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, who of course is the king of California foreclosures, telling everybody, oh yeah, this is a great time to see America. I wish I could go out there myself. It's a great time. You know, you can just get on a plane right now and fly all over the place. This is a great time. It's a great time, he says. And then, of course, you've got airlines that are going under. You've got airlines who are still with us saying, you know what? You have to wear a mask if you get on this plane. You're not going to be allowed on. Then you have a situation in Michigan where in Flint, Michigan specifically, somebody actually killed a security guard who had the temerity to tell a child or tell the mother of a child, hey, look, you know, your daughter needs to wear a mask to come into this supermarket. She spat, the mother spat at the security guard, took her child, went home, and then 20 minutes later, her husband and her child, her older child, that is, her son, came back to the supermarket, came back to the store, and her son shot this security guard dead. That is obviously out-and-out -out murder and also some serious mental issue that that individual has. The woman is in custody, but apparently 
the husband and her son are still at large and hopefully they have been picked up by police somewhere and arrested. So you've got that craziness. Someone loses their life because they're trying to protect other people's lives, including the life of the child that he was telling the mother of that she needs to wear a mask. We've seen instances of kids, five-month-olds, five-year-olds, two-month-olds, newborns dying from coronavirus. And all that security guard was trying to do was to help save a life. And for that simple thing, someone felt the need to end his life. So you have that spectrum, that view in that side, on that side of the street. And then on the other side of the street, you have Kathleen Sebelius, the former governor of Kansas, and also the former Health and Human Services Secretary under President Obama. I'm going to play this again so that you can hear it again because you've got to think about this. What she says makes perfect sense here. Here it is once again. As we open up, as we continue to have hotspots in meat packing plants in places like Kansas, in nursing homes, in prisons, uh, all over this country, we are going to see uh, outbreaks continue to occur. And I don't know any state, as a former governor, any state who has actually met the guidelines that the CDC put out of 14 days of decline in disease or is ready for the kind of massive contact tracing that we need to be able to do with testing to isolate cases as they begin to reoccur. That was on Anderson Cooper's program yesterday on CNN. The previous clip that I played was from Fox Business Channel, and both of those were from yesterday. The former governor, Kathleen Sebelius, is absolutely right. Why on earth are people opening up these states? Now, granted, they may not be full openings, they may be partial openings, but this is insane. This is American insanity. 42 states in this country will open by the end of this week. By the time we get to this Friday, 42 of the 52 states in these United States will be reopened in some way, shape or form. And as you just heard the former governor of Kansas, Kathleen Sebelius, say to you in that clip. Is that she finds none of these states have met the CDC guidelines of declining cases over a 14 day period. Why are 42 states reopening when A, there is not one of them that has met these CDC guidelines, which, by the way, ended at the end of last month? Why are these states reopening when there is not, as the governor, former governor says, is not a tracking and tracing system in place? and a proper testing system in place 
in any of these states? Why are these states reopening when, as the governor, former governor says, there are a spike in cases of coronavirus and in deaths in meatpacking plants, in prisons, in all kinds of places. Why is there this reopening when most of the country doesn't want to have the reopening at the moment? Many people, most people in this country, according to polls, and I'm not a big fan of polls, as you know, but most of the people in this country, whether it's Gallup, whether it's whichever poll that you look at, they do not want these states to be reopening. So why are they reopening? Why engage in this latest brand of insanity? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One is that the governors of these states are getting an earful from business leaders, from multi-million dollar business leaders, multi-billion dollar business leaders. That's where I think a lot of this is coming from. I think a lot of this is coming from phone calls that mayors are getting, that governors are getting. And I would not say that these are pleasant. How do you do phone calls? Nice to see how are your children doing. These are much more phone calls along the lines of if you don't effing well open up this blooming state. I am not going to be donating any money to you for your re-election campaign kind of calls. That's what I think is going on here. Now, I don't have any independent evidence of this. I don't have any advanced inside knowledge of any of this. I am doing something that is usually not advised and something that I even frown on, which is to speculate. Which is to speculate about this. Why else would governors of 42 states all of a sudden start to reopen these states when each of these states, in fact, every state in the country has failed miserably in satisfying even the lax Guidelines. These are very lax guidelines from the CDC. And even those lax guidelines have not been met by any of these states. Just because there may be a plateau or a flattening of the curve in numerous states, that doesn't mean... That because you've achieved that, you should automatically now all just rush back to try to open your states again. Why are states reopening when people are not practicing physical distancing guidelines? Sure, there's still, I think, about 75%, maybe 70% of people across the country who are practicing these physical distancing guidelines. I don't think that's beyond any doubt at all. These are the people who don't want the states to reopen. 
those are the ones who are practicing the guidelines. But there's still that 25 or 30% of people in this country who are not doing that. They're not practicing these physical distancing guidelines. As a matter of fact, Miami Beach closed its beach again because there were over 8,000 citations by officers of people who violated the guidelines of physical distancing or failing to wear a mask. This is in Florida. People are not going to police themselves. And what I am seeing from what I'm looking at in news bulletins and what I just said is something that's been reported in the Miami Herald. It's been reported on CNN. You can check out the video for it. You can check out the story in the Miami Herald. People cannot be trusted to police themselves. And what I think you're seeing also is this this libertarianism. Well, you know what? We should be able to do what we want. I've talked about this before. I'm not going to go into it again here. I've talked about it in previous episodes where there's been a lack of sacrifice, where people have sacrificed, but there's this loud minority of people who just will not do it, just do not want to sacrifice. And I think what is particularly alarming is you've got some of these news media reports saying that there's coronavirus fatigue. I mean, I don't think it's a case of there being fatigue. I think there's a, it's the case of people who are being arrogant, who are privileged, who do not care about people other than themselves and they barely care about themselves. And I think to use the word fatigued is dangerous. Are people fed up and tired of having to stay home? Of course, we all are fed up of having to stay indoors if we are fortunate enough to have a roof over our head to stay inside or underneath of. But I think that this oversimplification of, oh, we're fatigued, I think is not accurate. Because if you look at the trends in the country, most people, as I said, do not want to reopen so quickly. So this idea that there's fatigue going on is not exactly true. And again, I think a lot of this is due to phone calls that these governors are getting from business leaders, very angry business leaders and billionaires who are probably saying, look, if you don't start to open up this state, You're not going to be getting any money from me for your re-election campaign. Now, that might sound awfully cynical coming from me or not. But I do think there's some truth to that, probably. Another thing I want to say briefly here is, it's interesting, these protests, and I put that word protests in air quotes because... These aren't protests. These are shows of force by white racists who are really looking to build their white racist movements and their white terrorist movements. That is what these so-called protesters are about. 
when you are protesting to reopen a state, you do not need guns. And I said this the other day in a previous episode. You do not need guns. You do not need nooses. You do not need swastikas. You do not need Confederate battle flags. In order to protest the continued stay-at-home orders of a governor. You can protest without having to bring an armed weapon with you. You can protest without a noose. These aren't protests. These are violent people who are trying to intimidate and trying to overthrow state governments for their own white racist agenda. And the New York Times, interestingly enough, reported about this kind of thing just literally a couple of days ago now. And it's not really been picked up, surprise, surprise, in the rest of the corporate news media. They've kept very, very quiet about this. But I mean, I think it's inescapable. People should really look at this New York Times article, which is interesting. And it is called, The Coronavirus Becomes a Battle Cry for U.S. Extremists. It's dated May the 3rd, 2020. That was this past Sunday. Neil Mac. Farquhar. And he talks about how America's extremists are trying to turn this pandemic into a recruiting tool for their movements. And they're using the internet and they're using the streets of these state capitals in which to do that. And it's to bolster their white racist anti-government agenda. And a lot of these protests, which the media seems to selectively show us the video of. You're seeing people with nooses. You're seeing people with guns. And there are some of those videos and pictures out there with guns. People with swastikas. People with Confederate battle flags. People with guns. This isn't about reopening a state. None of these people are wearing masks. This is about a death cult. This is about an agenda that Donald Trump approves of. And that's what makes this particularly dangerous. We are at a very vulnerable moment in this country. We have a white racist in the White House who has talked about Nazis as being very fine people. Charlottesville 2017. He used... He used language similar to that about some of these so-called protesters in Michigan and elsewhere. We have a federal government that is not responding to the states, is not responding to the people. That is exactly the agenda that fits in line with these white racists who believe that these state governments should be toppled. This is ex extremely dangerous, and I don't know that the average person realizes how dangerous this is. 
because, of course, this pandemic has provided a lot of us with a lot of other things to think about. Like, where is the next meal coming from? Like, when is that stimulus check coming? Like, am I going to be laid off? Like, oh my God, I have been laid off and I don't have any benefit money. These are the kinds of questions and these are the kinds of things that the average person in this country is grappling with in real time. Most people in the United States live from paycheck to paycheck. They do not have any time to start thinking about some Nazis. Never mind the fact that you've got them all over this country right now and they've never really ever left the scene. There was a 1930s documentary about this, or rather a documentary in the last couple of years about the 1930s or the 1920s at Madison Square Garden, where you had a bunch of Nazis fill Madison Square Garden to the brim with a Nazi rally. And now you've got people in places like Santee, California, which is just a little ways away from San Diego, California, uh, and and Santee has been known for years as a hotbed of white racists and Klan members. And you had some guy over the weekend. In fact, it was, I believe, May the 2nd, a Saturday or Sunday, whatever. It was either Saturday, May the 2nd or Sunday, May the 3rd, the same day of this article. Wearing a Klan hood as he was shopping in a Vons supermarket down in Santee, California. I'm not making that up. I've tweeted one of the pictures of it. And you can find it on various Twitter accounts and other places. It's not a doctored photo. It is not a manufactured photo by any stretch. So many people have taken pictures of this particular photo. There's many different photos of this guy wearing army fatigues, wearing shorts, white guy, with a clan hood on. In a public place, in a supermarket, I would like to know how Vons allowed the guy in with that on in the first place. And I hope that somebody told him to take it off. And apparently there's other photos of him with the hood off in that supermarket. We are living in some really scary times. We are living amongst some really insane people. We are an insane country. And we have an insane human being, if you can call him that, in the White House. You've got these white racist groups storming, for lack of a better word, and it's the word that they love, storming state capitals with nooses. This is Charlottesville part two. And the police are not arresting these folks. They're not arresting them at all. They've got their guns. They've got their nooses. They've got their swastikas. They've got their Confederate battle flags. No, we're not going to arrest them. But you see all across this country now, and has been for a long time, police roughing up black people who are doing absolutely nothing. They're not carrying a gun. They don't have a gun. And they're being beaten up, roughed up, and killed. And there's video there to capture it. New York City cops violently arresting people 
because they may have violated the order. They're not practicing physical distancing. They're not wearing a mask, but they're getting violently arrested, roughed up, brutalized, beaten, unarmed. And these cops are white cops, mainly brutalizing them, beating them. You've got six-year-old boys on New York City subway selling candy. Oh, no, we're going to pull him off the train and we're going to empty his pockets, throw the candy all over the floor, and we're going to have eight NYPD cops surrounding him. Six-year-old boy trying to make some cash in these troubled times. 14-year-old boy, black. Again, all of these are black boys. Rancho Cordova, California, just last week or so, cop, white cop again, white male cop, roughs him up, beats him up, puts his hand on his neck, crushes his neck, beats him, punches him for no reason. Oh, well, maybe he had some cigarettes or maybe he did. You know what? He's not armed. He's not posing a threat. And he gets beaten up and it's all on video. Oh, but those white racists with guns and nooses and swastikas and Confederate battle flags, they've got their guns waving around. Oh, no, nothing to see here. They're not posing a threat to anybody. No, we're not going to arrest them. Shouting the N-word, we're not going to arrest them. They can just stay where they are. You know, 400 of them, 300 of them storming a capital. Oh, those guys are okay. Violating all the social distancing and physical distancing you can think of. Uh, not to worry. None of them are wearing a mask. Oh, not to worry. We won't have to beat them up like we did those black kids in New York or those people in New York who didn't have a mask on or who weren't practicing physical distancing. Not to worry. You know what? I think that American exceptionalism has lost its marbles. seemed like social distancing would be necessary there was no real scientific basis for believing that since it never been studied and as one infectious disease doc told me last week trying to stop this virus with social distancing is like trying to drive a nail through jello viruses spread that's what they do they often weaken as they go Social distancing will be with us through the summer to really ensure that we protect one another okay. as we move through these phases. Those were the voices of Laura Ingram from Fox News Channel, if you want to call that a channel, and of Dr. Deborah Burks, who is on the 
coronavirus task force with Donald Trump. By the way, that task force is not meeting these days. Hasn't met for almost a week now. Which should concern you. And also tells you that Donald Trump is not taking any of this very seriously. Fox News is one of the biggest reasons why you've got the kind of mayhem and insanity in this country that you have. It's a very, very dangerous news channel. And it really shouldn't see the light of day, quite frankly. If I had anything to do with it, Fox News would not be in operation. There have been so many investigative reporters, including Jane Mayer, who did a story in 2019 in the New Yorker magazine about the Fox News White House. You can look that up. Her last name is M-A-Y-E-R. She's written such great books as Dark Money, talking about these billionaires who fund all kinds of really bad things in this country, including these white racist protesters that I've been telling you about. Betsy DeVos's family also is behind them, funding these groups that you're seeing, these so-called protesters who are really racist, violent people, lynch mobs going up to state capitals. So that is what's going on. And you've got Fox News, which peddles all this kinds of stuff that many millions of people in this country watch. Fox News is the most highly watched, most often watched show, news channel rather, in the country, which is a real problem because it puts out lies all the time, propaganda and other misinformation that's very deadly. It is extremely dangerous. Yet millions of people are watching that and millions of people rely on that as their only news source. There was a documentary done in a few, a few years back about a guy who was more of a left-type thinker who was a Democrat and his daughter sat him in front of Fox News for a month and he completely changed his views from more democratic left-type views, if you want to call it that, to this hard right-wing Republican person who was spouting all this angry stuff on Fox because he was plunked in front of it. He was in his 60s or 70s, and he was plunked in front of Fox News for a month, and he became this bitter right-wing, hateful person. Very disturbing. And there was a documentary on it called The Miseducation of My Dad or The Brainwashing of My Dad. You can find that. Or you just search that. It's really troubling stuff. So Fox News is very dangerous and it is propounding a lot of this QAnon stuff and all these other conspiracy theories, these crazy people. And what I was playing in that clip that you just heard was from Huffington Post. They had this video of what, and you didn't see it, but it was obviously you couldn't see it. Joe Walsh, who was a former Republican who had a failed bid at running for president um, for 2020. You know, he had to he abandoned that after what, about two or three months when he just really wasn't catching on at all. He was warning on Twitter yesterday, May the 4th. And in a tweet, he said, have I told you that watching Fox News can kill you? And it's true. We've seen people die based on taking advice from what they from Fox News. We've seen that. It's happened. There's stories on this. We've seen someone in Arizona where Donald Trump is today. 
visiting who had died in Phoenix, Arizona by listening to one of his campaign rally briefings saying to drink or to consume or take hydroxychloroquine. And as a result, this one guy in Phoenix, Arizona took some fish tank cleaner that had this drug hydro hydroxychloroquine in it and consumed it and died. And his wife is in the ICU right now. And not to mention, of course, Trump saying, well, yeah, you should inject uh, disinfectant into you and maybe drink some bleach too while you're at it. I mean, this is just so dangerous. And then you've got hundreds of people in Kansas, hundreds of people in Maryland and other people in New York calling into these hotlines asking, is that a good idea? Should we be drinking bleach? Should we be injecting ourselves with disinfectant? There's still lots of people in this country who are susceptible to this kind of insanity and dangerous thinking. Dangerous things from Trump that can get you killed. This is really troubling stuff. So the media is also, especially Fox, Fox really is the sole place where this happens, where you've got these blanket lies all the time. Fox News is a very dangerous, deadly place. And Fox News literally can get you killed. These were the same people who were going on about, well, this virus isn't a big deal. This is a hoax. It's just the flu. And we have, of course, seen that debunked repeatedly over the last two or three months. And you had Sean Hannity telling you, oh, it's no big deal. Then he changed his tune in March. You had Trish Regan on Fox Business or Fox Nation saying this is just an attempt to toot down Trump. She got fired when, of course, it was very, very clear this was not ever an attempt to take down anybody. But every American in this country, 70,000 of whom are now dead because of this coronavirus and because of Trump not doing anything to try to reduce the spread of this virus since he had known about it in November of last year. That's something you won't hear on Fox News. Oh, because that's the truth, which Fox News does not broadcast ever, ever. Try never. So that clip with Laura Ingram that you heard there talking about, well, social distancing doesn't work, is bogus. It's garbage. Social distancing is working. Physical distancing is working. It's the very reason why these cases in some of these states have been reduced while you're seeing less cases because people are engaging in staying six feet away and staying at home and wearing masks. In these areas that are being reopened, we are seeing an increase in people being infected because they're going on beaches, they're congregating, they're not practicing physical distancing which is why you're seeing an increase in these cases. Meatpacking industries in these states where governors like Kim Reynolds of Iowa are not calling for stay-at-home measures, are not calling for any of this, you're seeing increases in the rates of infections, in deaths, because you've got these people huddled together. And you're going to see that happen in places where you have no social distancing, 
in places where you don't have stay-at-home orders. It's very, very dangerous stuff. When I return, one last thing that's also dangerous and then what we have to do in response. If anybody comes out against it or if anybody goes against the new democratic line of stuff, they're going to be, uh, it's going to be hard in certain areas. Now, you know what solves it? When the economy crashes, when the country goes to total hell yeah. and everything is a disaster, then you'll have a, you know, you'll have riots to go back to where we used to be when we were great. But the fact is that it's not easy on Republicans because you have a lot of people that like their lives right now without working. Jonathan, is That was Donald Trump in 2014. When the country goes to total hell, then you'll have riots to go back to where we used to be when we were great. That's what he said on Fox and Friends, Fox News, which I've been talking about here. He said that in 2014, just a year before he would start his run for the White House. And what was he doing in 2015 when he started his run? Blaming Mexican people, calling them rapists. Donald Trump and his racism. That's how he started his campaign. And then, of course, the violent rallies. Donald Trump is courting the people who are showing up with nooses, showing up with swastikas, showing up with Confederate battle flags and guns. You had a guy in Colorado arrested for having pipe bombs. The FBI arrested him the other day. He was planning to have a so-called protest and use bombs. Now, surely that is not going to reopen a state. So that is the problem that we have in this country. Donald Trump aiding and abetting these Charlottesville terrorists from 2017 fomenting this violence in his rallies where he was telling people to knock the crap out of them. You've got these racists and extremists, these white people, mostly white men, committing acts of murder, of terrorism all over the world and in their manifesto saying, well, Donald Trump inspired me to do it. People with pipe bombs, the guy in Florida who was arrested he was throwing, giving pipe bombs and mailing them to Bill Clinton and to the Clintons and to all these other people, Maxine Waters, all these people around the country. And his van was plastered with Trump material on it. This was in 2018. Articles have been done about the numbers of white men in particular and other people all over the country who committed acts of violence in Trump's name. This is where we are in this country. It's a very dangerous place to be in. And these groups using a pandemic, and you heard the words of Donald Trump right there on Fox in 2014, the year before he launched his run for the White House. We're going to, the country's going to go to total hell. Well, where's America right now? 30 million people out of work. 
What could possibly go wrong? Long, long, long food bank lines. People in their cars waiting for hours. Hours to get food. Food shortages. Food banks not being able to keep up with the demand. What could possibly go wrong? An economy that is tanking. A depression that is happening. A second Republican Great Depression is happening right now. I talked about it yesterday in the episode yesterday. What could possibly go wrong? And then you've got this quote, and you heard it, from 2014. Then you'll have riots to go back to where we used to be when we were great. That is his make America great again. That is his strategy to destroy the country and to make it white. Never mind the fact that it's already a country that's dominated by white men and the institutionalized racism that continues to pervade and the patriarchy that is decidedly anti-female. Never mind all that. He wants to make America great by destroying it. This isn't make America great again. It's make America dead. And it's mad. Just like the acronym. That speech that he gave in his inauguration. This is going to be the end of American carnage. It will end right now. And of course, it's the opposite. 70,000 people in America dead. Because Donald Trump refused to act. He was being warned in November. He was being warned by the intelligence agencies in November and before that. He was being warned about this in November, in December, in January, into February. And it wasn't until March, the middle of March, that he announced that he was going to start doing things. And he didn't really do anything. He never closed the country down. He never ordered any national order to do that. He said it was a national state of a national emergency, but he didn't prescribe anything. He didn't say we've got to close this and close that. He didn't. He never did. The governors of the states did that. They have the authority to, but he never recommended anything to close. He never wanted testing. And that's why we need the education to tell people this for November. And I know that November is not on people's minds right now for most people. But this is what needs to be told to people. This guy is all about violence. He's all about wanting people to fight each other. Whether it's setting the states, governors and the states against each other when they're bidding for PPE and all other kinds of protections for the frontline healthcare workers and others. Whether it is getting states to open up again where only some states can and some can't, that's discriminatory because there are going to be people in states who aren't able to go out and find work or go back to work and their benefits will be taken from them, as Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa said, because they're going to consider you a voluntary quit, meaning that because you are afraid to die because you are afraid you're going to infect yourself or your family if you go back to work, she calls you a voluntary quitter. This is all part of this really disturbing death cult that is going on in this country called the United States of America. We are in very dangerous hands right now. 
We were in a very, very sensitive, fragile, vulnerable moment. And I think the way that we deal with all of this is to educate ourselves, to wear masks as well, to safeguard ourselves, to be aware, to meditate, to self, practice self-care, and to connect with our loved ones and friends and family. Very, very important. And as long as you keep wearing gloves and masks, and if you don't have a mask, some kind of face covering, I think that you will find yourself in a better position. Wash your hands, for goodness sakes, please, with cloths, with a with, with obviously, and wipe them with a tish, with a towel. But wash your hands with soap and water. If you are gro- going grocery shopping, make sure that you clean your groceries, and that by that I mean use soap and water to wipe down the bags, to wipe down the bags or the containers or the plastic bags or the plastic that your foods are in, the packaging that your foods are in. Very, very important. And make sure that you're wearing gloves when you do that. If you can do that, if you don't have any special gloves or any kinds of gloves, then if you've got gloves of your own, Try to do that. And if you can't do that, make sure, for goodness sakes, that you wash your hands after you've wiped down your groceries. And it doesn't have to be with wipes. You can wash, you can wipe down the groceries with soap and water and a cloth. This is how we have to do this. We have to educate ourselves. We have to look at the strategies we need to employ. A lot of people aren't able to save up six months of savings. So whatever you can do, Save up a month if you can. Reorder your financial priorities if you can. These are very difficult times. And with people not getting unemployment checks because they've been laid off, because the infrastructure is not there, because people can't handle it, with people not getting their stimulus checks, these are very difficult times. And there's going to be some unrest. And Donald Trump wants that. Because in chaos, people steal, like these corporations who stole from mom and pop stores. These million dollar, billion dollar corporations, Shake Shack, Ruth Chris Steakhouse, and many others, even the LA Lakers were in on this. All three of them have since returned the monies under pressure and shame by many people. They were forced to return the monies. But you've got mom and pop stores that are slowly now getting the monies. And when you're hearing that many of these mom and pop businesses that are black are not getting any money or are not getting anything at all. Institutional racism. And you've got Jake Tapper talking about, well, why on earth did that happen? How did that happen? Well, it's pretty simple, Jake. It's pretty simple. We've got a lot of educating to do. And since we've had people like Betsy DeVos, whose family is funding these racist lynch mobs, these armed mobs, she's been the Secretary of Education and education continues to go down the toilet because of her desire and others to privatize it. This didn't begin with DeVos. You had George W. Bush, you had Reagan before that. These guys are taking an active effort in dumbing down the country. 
And you wouldn't have to have lots of people calling hotlines in America asking if bleach and drinking it or being injected by it is a smart idea or not if there was a better education infrastructure in the country. If America had a better education infrastructure and there weren't billions of dollars being cut from education budgets, you would not have people calling up these hotlines in such large numbers and people actually drinking bleach in some of these states, actually injecting disinfectant in some of these states. If there was a better education system here and we had people who were being educated properly, if we had civics in this country being taught on a regular basis in schools, we wouldn't have some of the stuff that we have going on in this country. So the key is to educate ourselves. And I really do think we have to do that now, especially in these times. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat.